Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome into Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. I do appreciate that. And Jeff Wadekamper's here with us. Jeff, of course, the director over at Helena Regional Airport. And it, uh, it's been some time since he's been in here, so I'm thrilled to have him back. Jeff, how you doing? Good. How are you? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in. We made it to the end of the week. That's great. An- another week is done. So, you know, I, that's always a good thing. Um, things over at the airport sound like they're going well. Yeah, yeah. You know, things are really going well. I mean, uh, obviously, it's still... Uh, you know, traffic is still down uh, due to the the pandemic, but I mean, aside from that, there's a lot of uh, other activities going on in the 1,400 acre airport campus, and and just a lot of exciting things that we're working on uh, for uh, later this year. Yeah, I mean, it's been a very long year for uh, for all of us, and certainly for you and the rest of the folks out at the airport. But uh, you you find a way to stay busy. You do, yeah. There's always plenty to do, yeah. There yes, is. I mean, I, and we were talking right before the show started. You had a whole bunch of renovations, upgrades, you know, that sort of thing. Pandemic kind of had an impact on that a, a bit, right? It did, yeah. So, I mean, the silver lining and all that was, you know, with the, with the less traffic that we had over the summer, uh, we were able to complete the terminal uh, expansion and renovation project uh, sooner than anticipated. So we got done about three months ahead of schedule. And also got done $450,000 under budget. So uh, it was a great project and got it all wrapped up. Yeah, that's always a good thing. That that budget thing is always good. It's, hey, we're on time or, hey, we're early. And then that follow-up is, yeah, but what about – because any kind of construction <laughs> or big project, there's always things that, you know, original blueprints were wrong. And, and oh, there's, there's pipes here or there's wires there or we need to – that always happens. And – to come in under budget, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. No, we were very happy about that. You know, the team worked very hard. I mean, uh, CWG Architects, Morrison Merrily, Dick Anderson Construction, and all their subs uh, did an excellent job. And, and throughout the project, you know, we had contingency funds in there because, like you say, you always run into things when yeah. you do a project of that magnitude. Uh, but as we were going along, we found ways to do things uh, more efficiently, more cost-effectively. And, and that was the beauty of really doing the project in the manner that we did. Uh, that at the end we had uh, we had money left that we didn't need to expend and so that was great yeah well and you said uh you're, you're telling me you've even got some folks out there doing some painting because you figured well we can do that rather than hire somebody and you're saving money there too yeah so one of the wintertime projects that our staff's doing in-house and in between plowing snow and things of that nature is uh, we're, we're repainting the public side lobby and uh, doing that all ourselves, and uh, you know saving a lot of money there to kind of get that done and, and spruce that up so then when we're finished the whole building will look essentially new, if you will, and yeah. everything will match and all those kinds of things. Well, yeah, you, you talk about snow. You haven't had to do that much. Not, I mean, not terribly This morning, much. I saw him out there for about three minutes, you know, clearing <laughs> yeah. it off. Oh, yeah. little sweeping job this morning with the light snow we got last night. But, uh, yeah, you're right. We had a couple of big storms in October to kick off the year. And we thought, wow, this is going to be, a, you know, another one of those winters. But it just uh, hasn't been yet. But, of course, we're still in January. You never know what... Uh, what uh, the rest of the season will bring us, but uh, yeah, it has been a little less than your typical. Yeah, so it makes season. it makes work on that side a little bit easier. And uh, you're saying you know saves money. It's what did you say? It's ten thousand dollars for the de-icing treatment. So if we treat the the runway, the primary runway, yeah, if we get into an icing situation, there's only specific de-icing fluids you can use that aren't corrosive to aircraft, and so uh, though they're extremely expensive. So yeah, you're correct. It's about ten thousand dollars each time we de-ice the runway. Man. So that's a huge cost, and, and yeah. the less of that we have to do, the better, especially right now when when uh, you know traffic is slower and things are down and budgets are tight. Yeah. How tough is it to pull that trigger? Like, eh, you know, well, you, you got to sit there and wait. Obviously, you want to be safe, and you got to do it when you got to do it, but 
it, it's got to be a little tough to, you know, hit that button for ten grand. It is, yeah. I mean, we've got a specific set of parameters that we have to operate the airport by, you know, under the FAA regulations. And so we just use that framework, and that's in our decision-making process. Uh, you know, we try to do everything we can to prevent that. I mean, with the big multitasking plows and brooms we have mm -hmm. now, we can really uh, get the snow off before an ice layer would form. The time that you're really uh, having to use that and don't have much choice is, of course, if you have freezing rain and those kinds of conditions, there's just not much mechanically you can do to deal with that. So then you pretty much have to yeah. uh, to go to de-icing. But we try to do a number of different things to minimize that as much as possible. Jeff Wedekamper's with us this morning. He, uh, well, he, he makes the, I was going to say trains run on time. I guess you make the planes run on time <laughs> over there at the uh, at the airport. And and we were talking about all the work done at, uh, at, at the airport, uh, finishing up really in the summer. But like you said, a lot of people haven't been traveling, so maybe they've not been in there to see it. It, it looks fantastic. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, and, and I think you got a good point. We we didn't have the chance to have a, a you know public grand opening, yeah. which we'd still like to do at some point. And we've been talking about uh, what can we do. You know, we posted some pictures on the on our website so people can see what it looks like. But we've been talking about an idea of maybe doing like a virtual tour or something of that nature, so that folks could watch that video at their leisure and mm -hmm. see what it looks like because it is completely different than what it was before and really opens up some great opportunities for uh, air service here in Montana. Yeah, in kind of the same deal as the library too. They they finished up these wonderful upgrades oh, and yeah. uh, you know, I've seen some photos. It looks great in there from photos, but they they've got this beautiful brand new space and nobody's been able to get in there and enjoy it yet yeah that's true very unfortunate absolutely yeah and so when when you went on this i i, I know it's jumping back a little but for folks that uh didn't know or are they're new to the area you underwent these renovations and these upgrades and what's interesting is all of these things were needed but the airport was really kind of built anticipating that wasn't it like it was hey we know we're going to need this in the future and so it wasn't like you had to rip up a bunch of things and retrofit, and it, it was sort of already ready and waiting for you. It was, yeah. And really the story goes all the way back to the 70s when the terminal was on the south side of the airport, uh, well, pretty close to right next door to where the radio station is, in fact. And, uh, you know, they made the decision to move the, the terminal, build a new one over there on the north side, which really gave us the ability to expand in the future. Then in 2005, 2003 through 2005, we did a big renovation and expansion and uh, when that was done, there was a lot of planning and foresight put into that to make sure that when we did future expansions, we were thinking of that. And same thing when we did this last expansion, we master planned out, you know, 50 years as an estimate mm -hmm. of what might happen. And uh, so we, we know in future phases how to expand that. The idea being that you want to have some thought into that so you're not throwing money, good money after bad, you know, building something and then coming back yeah. a few years later and saying, oh, now let's tear that down. We got to redo this. And so we really have a real methodical plan on how to keep that going as, as time comes up. Yeah, you're doing great work out at the at the, at the airport, and I and I think uh, people might not realize the airport here works a little bit differently than in a lot of places, um, particularly because you have different sources of income. It's not just parking and plane tickets. I mean, you get money from a lot of different places. Is it even primarily ticket prices that that get you your 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 income, your revenue, or does the majority come from elsewhere? Well, you know, it's kind of an interesting split. So uh, 43% of our revenue comes from non-aviation sources. Okay. And that is pretty unique because, as you say, most airports do uh, specific airport things, you know, airlines and passengers and aircraft yeah. operations. 
And, you know, I really got to give that credit to, to Ron Mercer and, and uh, past airport commissioners for, for several decades because they really had the foresight to diversify our revenue portfolio way back then, which uh, I can tell you we wouldn't have the airport facility that we have today if they hadn't done that. And even in this pandemic, having a diversified revenue portfolio helped us get through this so much better than if we were just your typical airport operation. That yeah. really made a big difference. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I not that we're completely through this thing all, oh, yeah. of course, but it, it's had to have helped you get to this point financially and, and survive much better than many locations in the country, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And the other important part of that is, you know, you think of the airline operation, and I mean, whether you like it or not, they really are a for-profit business. So you have to be cognizant in a town this size uh, you know, how do you set up the business model that the airlines can be financially successful here, mm. uh, be attracted to stay here and, you know, look for future expansion. So that enters into this whole business model we have. And then the other thing is uh, the airport is kind of unique. The fact that we, we aren't operated uh, by any taxpayer dollars. So there's no local taxes used to pay for uh, the airport. That's been the case since 1993 when we became an airport authority. So we run it financially self-sufficiently. Uh, don't receive funds from city, county, state, or, or taxpayers to, to run it. We do get some federal funds through some specific mm-hmm. programs for infrastructure, uh, but otherwise we run it just like a business. Yeah, so when we talk about, you know, hey, you put chargers and all the chairs up there for, for people, and I didn't pay for that in, in, my, in my taxes. I mean, this is something that you guys took care of that. So you paid for it indirectly as an airline. Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, Eventually it winds its way around, Yeah, right? yeah. So how the, you know, some of the, the FAA's airport improvement program grant funds work is they have a surcharge on airline tickets, aviation fuel sales, and air cargo operations. And so uh, they take a federal surcharge from that. It goes into the airway trust fund. Airports can get that money back for just specific infrastructure projects. And the FAA didn't actually, that program didn't pay for the entire terminal. We actually... Uh, financed $4.8 million of that project that we're paying for with airport revenues. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you're flying through the airport, then indirectly you're helping pay for that. But if you're not using the aviation system, then you're you're not paying for it. Yeah, we're talking with Jeff Wadecamper this morning from uh, Helena Regional Airport. Airport, excuse me. And um, my guess is that there's probably some small airports that didn't survive this thing already. I mean, just like every other business out there. I'm sure airports have shut down, haven't they? There's been some airports that, uh, I don't know that there's really been any airports that have shut down per se, but uh, uh, there's certainly a a large number of airports around the country that have seen their uh, commercial air service uh, drastically be reduced or in in a lot of places uh, completely go away. Uh, In some places, unfortunately, it may not come back. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics going on around the country. Uh, You know, we feel pretty fortunate here in, in Montana and in Helena uh, you know, it's kind of a, a point of interest. A lot of people are, are uh, you know, like Montana and more folks are moving to Montana for better or for worse, you know, and, and I think uh, I think Montana will be a little unique and has been a little unique in that. But yeah, there are places around the country uh, that uh, have seen their, their air service uh, pretty well decimated. And like I say, some of it may not come yeah, back. Yeah, it's, it's such a tough thing. And we, we did talk about, we're going to go to a break here in a minute, but um, we talked about all the work done at the airport. There's actually work being done out at the training facility as well, which is another source of income that you have that, I mean, is pretty rare across the country. It is, yeah. Yeah, the fire training center, that's a whole other unique facility. Uh, you know, there's only a small number of those in the entire United States uh, ours is one of the most uh, advanced. Uh, it's one of the few that's really environmentally sensitive. Uh, so it's a great facility, but it's been out there since 1996, and a lot of the equipment's reached the end of its useful life. So we're doing a $5.1 million uh, renovation project out there. 
Uh, the FAA Airport Improvement Program is funding uh, a lot of that because it benefits uh, airport fire departments all around the country, so it benefits the system. But it really generates a lot of economic development in the community. I mean, we've got hundreds of firefighters coming mm -hmm. here from around the country uh, every summer to do training, and they're staying in hotels and eating in restaurants and, and seeing the sights and uh, touring Montana while they're here. So uh, it really brings a lot of uh, economic uh, uh, development along with it. So what kind of work is going on out there? Is it basically just equipment upgrades? I mean, I guess you can only start a, a, a plane on fire so many times. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's uh, they're made out of core 10 steel, so you can burn them over and over again. But it's all the – they're real high tech in the, in the sense of, you know, they run off of propane. Mm -hmm. There's burners and sensors. It's all computer controlled. So it's a very high tech system, uh, and all that stuff is getting updated. I mean, you think of – you know, your own computers and anything that you have electronically today, I mean, it only lasts for so long. And so all that stuff's getting upgraded. Uh, we're adding some new fire features on, on some of the training aircraft we have out there. The building's getting a little bit of a facelift uh, and, and a remodel, you know, because it's been there since 96 as well. So uh, it's just the general upgrade of the entire facility inside and out. Yeah, it's such a neat facility and such a fantastic thing to have that here in our community. And um, we're going to talk, you know what, we're going we're to go ahead and take a break because uh, we got to talk about uh, potentially a new location coming to Helena. You might have heard that earlier this week uh, on, on the news, but Jeff's going to dig a bit deeper into that for us coming up on Cop Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. Welcome back in. This is Coffee Break. I'm Troy Shockley and Jeff Wadekamper from the Helena Regional Airport is hanging out with us this morning. And uh, in terms of airlines, Jeff, you've been doing this a while now. So looking to the crystal ball, uh, what does the airline industry look like, say, this time next year? I mean, is it it sounds like it's not going back to where it was. They're sort of changing the model out of out of necessity, but it seems like they're going to stick with it going forward. Yeah, so there's a number of things that have come out of what's happened this last year to the airline industry. I mean, uh, you know, they already had planned some some fleet uh, changes some of the airlines had, you know, aircraft type changes and stuff like that. Uh, that kind of got accelerated by this. I mean, a lot of the 50-seater smaller aircraft are getting uh, retired earlier now and parked. Uh, that And that has an effect on smaller communities because mm -hmm. that's typically what they start to uh, – what they see. Uh, but, you know, I think the airlines, they're looking now at all of their route structures, their business models, and saying – you know, we need to operate more efficiently. We're, uh, you know, the, they're cognizant that they're probably going to continue, at least in the short term, to be uh, a smaller entity overall uh, moving forward. So how can they cover market areas and, and still cover the areas that need to be covered with less aircraft and less, you know, less pilots and crews and all those different things? Uh, so as they look for that, there's, there's, you know, there's a risk that, uh, you know, you might see your service not come back. Uh, but there's also some great opportunities in some locations. We think Helena might be one of them 
uh, where it's a, a new look at things and you think there's an opportunity to do something a little more efficiently. Yeah, and we did lose a little bit of service here, but it sounds like we anticipate that coming back. Yeah, so what we're hearing from uh, the airlines, you know, the service that we lost, uh, it sounds like all of that will start to come back this next year. In fact, next month, uh, starting in, in February, the second daily uh, United flight to Denver comes back. Uh, you know, we're hearing that uh, around summertime, the Minneapolis flight on Delta Airlines should be back for now. They're funneling uh, everybody through Salt Lake City. Over the holidays, we had the, the third daily Salt Lake flight was back, and, mm -hmm. and things did well with that. Uh, you know, Alaska Airlines is still doing well with the Seattle service and still indicates at some point that uh, they still want to have that second flight uh, come back. So everything that we had, we, we feel pretty confident that it will be back at some point in time. Uh, but then we're looking at the same time, what are the opportunities out there? Because uh, this is kind yeah. of a unique time frame. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're talking this morning with Jeff Wade at camp, and we're talking airport. And uh, airlines, uh, as he's mentioned, sort of contracting a little bit, the whole industry. But it's not all contraction. They're looking at how do we get back out there? How do we rebound? And so American Airlines is eyeing Helena. Yeah. So we've been, you know, for years, we've kept up relationships with all of the airlines that are out there. And there's less and less of them every year because of mergers and mm -hmm. buyouts and and, uh, you know, we, we've talked to a number of the airlines throughout the last year, even though traffic was down, uh, as we've seen what they've been thinking about, you know, redoing their structures, we didn't want to be left out of that. And so we've always tried to uh, convince the airlines that, you know, there's a lot more in Helena than maybe they are anticipating. I mean, the central location in the state we have here, it's really a logical spot to serve uh, this region, you know, not yeah. just the Helena area, but, uh, you know, this part of the state and, and kind of the region. And so I think, you know, we, we tried to sell that to American uh, last year before the pandemic, talking about Phoenix. You know, they're one of their hubs is uh, Phoenix is one of their hubs. Dallas is another hub. They usually like to start out in, in Dallas. Uh, but right now it just doesn't look like Dallas is as viable for us. But Phoenix really is. It's, uh, uh, you know, up in our it's number five on our origination destination list. So it's pretty high up there on on interest always has been. And uh, so, you know, as we've talked to them about that, they've had that idea. And then uh, recently here, we were talking to them again about that. And they said, you know, we, we think we may have some interest in that. We kind of sold it to them on, uh, you know, the only, the only airport in Montana that has legacy airline service to Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport now is Billings. Billings just started American service to Phoenix. I mean, there's Allegiant service to Mesa Gateway Airport, which is in the Phoenix metro area okay. out of, you know, some other airports in Montana. Uh, but that's, you know, service that's two days a week and it's more – for leisure travelers, it's not a connecting hub. You can't go other places if you fly. Uh, it's just a different model. Allegiant's yeah. a different model. Now, when the pandemic hit, we did talk to Allegiant because we've been talking to them for years, and we tried to convince them, why don't you consolidate all your stuff here in Helena, and you could capture, you know, four or five cities in one place. And they thought about it and just kind of said, no, we just don't think, you know, that that's, that's a direction we want to go. Uh, but uh, continued the discussion with American and sold them on that idea saying, you know, if you cover, you've got Billings covering the eastern part of the state. If you come to Helena, you can cover, you know, Helena, Butte, Great Falls, have some spillover from Missoula and, mm -hmm. and Bozeman, uh, maybe even southern Canada when the border gets open again because there's a lot of snowbirds that go to Phoenix. I mean, we've seen those numbers. Uh, and so they, they uh, said, you know, we have interest in looking at that. Uh, it's something new and outside the box. But uh, as airlines typically do, you know, they want to have a little bit of a comfort level to do that even if the idea sounds good. And so they said, well, if you are willing to uh, apply for a, a U.S. Department of Transportation Small Community Air Service Development grant to provide a, a kind of an incentive or a risk mitigation package so that they can have some, uh, 
some money to draw from in the early phases. Yeah, the just-in-case money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. They said if you're willing to do that and you can get the community to, you know, to support some of that effort, uh, then, you know, then we're interested. And so we had to take that opportunity and run with it because they just, you know, those opportunities don't come up very often, even during the good times. And, and now, I mean, you, you just really have to take an opportunity like that yeah. and go for it. So. Yeah. And, and so what's the timeline on that? It's a pretty quick turnaround because you've got to apply for this federal grant and that's sort of step one. It is. Yeah. So it's a, it was a really quick turnaround. Uh, the applications were due on the 26th of this month. And so we got right to work on, on uh, we got our application put together. We've been doing some uh, fundraising in the community, which I can go into details here in a minute. Uh, but then uh, just uh, two days ago, uh, Department of Transportation extended the deadline to March 1st. So we do have a little bit more time, okay. which is good. And then they also, at the same time, they put $5 million of additional money into that pot. Uh, so there's more money to be used for this program. So. Uh, that that gives us a little bit better chance okay. to, to really have some So more what's time. the turnaround on that when you actually hear back then from the federal government? Because we've applied for those loans before and not gotten them. Yeah, so we, we think that the turnaround, you know, they, they don't have a specific date on when they're going to announce those, but uh, we anticipate it'll probably be sometime mid to late summer Okay, is what we think when we'll hear the grants. And so, you know, if that's the case, uh, anticipating that at the earliest it would be the, the later part of 2021 before the service would start. Sure. Uh, may even be into 2022. And the other part of this is really it's part of the uh, airline's recovery strategy. You know, they know right now uh, things are down and, and uh, stuff hasn't really spooled back up, but they're putting this is the opportunity to kind of get those plans in place so when things do come back, if we've got this ready to go, then that would be a huge opportunity yeah. in the recovery. Jeff Wedekamper is here with us this morning. We've got about five minutes left with him. And you, you mentioned, Jeff, um, you need some public buy-in on this thing, too. How's that working? So it's working good. There's been great community support. And, you know, the real reason behind that, when you apply for a DOT grant, uh, the DOT wants to see that the, uh, the service is, you know, uh, something that's going to work that the community is actually bought into. And so they really look to have the community provide some resources financially and, and, you know, marketing support and those kinds of things. And uh, the interesting part about it is legally the airport cannot contribute airport revenues to that purpose. It has to come from the community itself. And so businesses, organizations, uh, we've got everything from private individuals, you know, contributing a hundred, hundred dollars up to, uh, you know, uh, large businesses uh, doing five, 10, $25,000, you know, things of that nature. So, it's been a it's been a great response so far. We think we're going to make our goals, and uh, you know I think uh, the community's been very supportive of this effort. Yeah. So how do they do that? Do they just go online? Because you do have information on your website about this whole process. If uh, people want to kind of get into the weeds a little bit and dig in more. Yep. So they can go to our website if they go to the announcements tab. Uh, we have some uh, information on there. There's a pledge form on there if you want to make a financial contribution. There's also a template if you want to uh, write a letter of support. Uh, we've got some great support letters from, uh, you know, local, uh, state, federal elected officials, uh, businesses, uh, tourism entities, you name it, uh, individuals. Uh, so all of that really helps out. So if you have any any information you want on that, get on our website, go to the announcements tab. Uh, the other thing is, is they can call me at the airport or they can email me. My contact information's on the website as well. Okay, yeah, it, it's a it's a big deal to add potentially be adding. Phoenix. I mean, here in the if, for multiple reasons, but you know, obviously it's going to help out the airport because you're trying to make it through this thing as well. So adding Phoenix and adding another airline, 
that's a big deal. But w- would that also impact potentially uh, ticket prices because now you've got a little more competition, another another player coming in? Well, that's always the hope, you know. I mean, that, that's one of the things in this business that a lot of folks probably don't understand is the airport has virtually no control over ticket prices. I yeah. mean, we don't set that. The airline does. Uh, but indirectly, I mean, you can do that through your rates and charges to the airlines. Uh, you can also do that to – uh, you know, the amount of competition that's in a market. So, yeah, obviously getting another airline brand in here, uh, you know, more competition, that tends to bring fares down. So that's the that's something that we're always working on for those very reasons. Plus, it's nice to have the access. You look at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, you know, even if you're not just going to Phoenix, uh, the multitude of connections domestically and internationally out of there, it opens up a whole nother access level for right. folks in, in Helena and in Montana. So Yeah, so, you know, it's exciting for Helena to uh, to have this. And it's not that we're going out saying, hey, American, can you please come here? You've kind of already done that. And they've said, yeah, that looks like a good idea. I mean, this this is well on its way. Yeah, it's been a lot of years of work to get to this point, uh, you know, to get to get them interested and keep selling Helena and trying to explain on why we think Helena is a, a great, viable location. So, yeah, it's taken a long effort just to get here, and we still have a ways to go. But, uh, uh, you know, the great thing is, is we really need to do it as a community to do it together. The airport really can't do it by themselves for, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to have that community support. So we appreciate all the support that we've uh, received from the community and the interest it's it's been outstanding yeah that's already started and uh, how long do you have if people want to get on and we, we mentioned they can get on the website and find more information but uh if, if this is something that interests them to the level that they want to help you out and they want to help out that fund what's the timeline on that is, is there a deadline or? well well the deadline for the grants now for the grant applications is now march 1st and right. so we're going to send our application in but in all honesty uh, you know, this is really not anymore. Air service recruitment's not really a one and done kind of a deal. I mean, we're going to continue doing this going forward. So after that point, if folks are still interested, if folks still want to contribute to the air service fund, they can still do that. Uh, because, you know, the idea being that we get this Phoenix service and American gets in here, um, then there'll be what's the next step. Yeah, who's I mean, next on the wish list, I guess, Yeah, right? so there's a lot of – we're always looking at that, and, of course, dynamics are changing. You can only apply for an air service grant. If you get one, you, then you have it for three years. You can't apply for three years again, and so there's that aspect. But at the same time, as other opportunities come up, there might be things that we can do with that air service fund, the local funds, uh, to, to try and spur on some additional service. And so it's, it's really going to be from here on forward – Looking forward, this is going to be an ongoing thing that we're going to try and do every year. And it's it's not unique in Helena. I mean, they're doing it all around Montana, mm-hmm. all around the country. I mean, this is uh, how Bozeman really has, has you know, increased uh, the level of service they have. Uh, you know, it, it's just a, a common thing you have to do now to really yeah. get air service. But we're hot on their heels. I know they keep expanding that place over there. But, they you do, know, yeah. You're, I, I, know you're, I know you're chasing them, and, and our numbers are, are going to do well. Yeah, we had five consecutive years of, of record growth uh, up until 2020 when, yeah. when uh, things happened. So. Yeah, well, we're gonna, <laughs> but we'll be back. We're not going to count that one. Yeah, we'll skip no. that one when we're <laughs> yeah. looking at the records. Jeff Wedekamper, uh, director over there at the Helena Regional Airport. Jeff, thanks for coming in. I sure appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure to come in here. Thank oh, you. Oh, well, uh, we're, we're all out of time, but that's okay because you're a busy guy. We've got to <laughs> send you back across the tarmac to get to work. That's all the time we have for today. We'll see you back here on Monday. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.